If you would open your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 7. This is God's Word. Let us hear Him. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How the body of Christ functions. I could have Uh, entitled this, How the Church Lives Out the Doctrines of Grace Daily, or How the People of God Collectively in Any Given Church Apply the Word of God to the Life of the Church, or How the Lord of the Church Gives Instructions for His Church to Live By as a Body. Ephesians is full of instructions, full of words that we need to hear every day, instructions for the church. The first three chapters set forth the doctrines of grace beginning before the foundation of the world and going unto to glory. Read these first three chapters in, in that light and You see that God has a desire to redeem his people and to bring them to glory. And that's what the Bible is all about. That Jesus is lifted up. His blood has been shed. He's ascended on high. And he is the one who is able to bring us unto heaven. And this is done as we believe in what Jesus has done, as we believe in his completed work, as as we believe in that redemption that he has 
purchased for us. And we're gathered here today to bear testimony to that. I hope you young people are gathered here for that reason, too. hope all of us are gathered here to bear testimony to the truths of God's Word. How could we possibly worship the living and true God if we did not have, have one who has redeemed us and reconciled us to the Father and brought us from the dead and given us life and who is able to bring us into heaven? Or for our consideration this morning, how can you as a church continue to function and even grow now that you have accepted the resignation of your pastor and Grace Presbytery has dissolved the pastoral relationship? I want you to know how First Presbyterian Church in Hattiesburg continued to grow and prosper in a period over two years after our pastor resigned. This passage of Scripture was lived out in the life of that congregation. And I'm putting it before you and saying that you too are called to live out this passage of Scripture and that God will bless you as you live it out. You should be encouraged. Somebody said earlier before we're coming into the sanctuary, what else can happen to us? The Lord Jesus knows what's going on and he wants to encourage you. You should be encouraged, though you're disappointed that Darren has resigned. You should have hope because the church does not cease to function just because you're not going to have a regular pastor for a while. And I want to open this passage of Scripture by asking four questions. The first question is, what is the body of Christ? What is the church? The second question, how are its leaders, how are the leaders of the body of Christ to affect, with an A, affect this body? And thirdly, how must the body respond? How must, underline that, how must the body respond? And fourthly, what will be the result of the church's response to what God has given to us? Pray with me, please. Father, as we come to your word again, we ask that you would open it to us and open our hearts that we might receive what you have for us, that we would experience the presence of your spirit, that your word would be alive to us, that you would come with power and and enter every heart and convict every one of us of the truths of your word in this passage of Scripture. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First question I would put before you is what is the body of Christ? What is the church? If you have your Bibles open, if you go back to chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul calls the church at Ephesus by two names. He calls them saints and faithful. Saints is what they are called by God and set apart to be the children of God. Set apart to be his, his people. And the faithful are how they live out their lives. 
So every person who's a member of the body of Christ is both a saint and a one who is called to be uh, faithful. Verse 7 of chapter 1 says that Jesus has redeemed us by his blood. Now, 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that means we've been bought with a price. And the price is the blood of Jesus Christ. And you need to meditate on that every day. You're not your own. I'm not my own. Young people, if you know Jesus, if you have come to profess him as your Lord and Savior, you don't belong to yourself anymore. Your thoughts, the words that come out of your mouth, the activities of your life should not be yours. They should be those that reflect Jesus, should reflect your life in Christ. And that's true of all of us, isn't it? We've been bought with a price. We are not our own. Tell yourself that when you get up every morning. I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus came to seek and to save. He went to the cross in order that he might save his people. From what? From hell? Yes. From Satan? Yes. From ourselves? We don't like to hear that, but he came to save us from ourselves. You belong to Jesus. Meditate upon that. How does one come into possession of this life that Christ has purchased for us? Well, we're born into it by a new birth. You can't born yourself. You're here today bearing testimony. I've been born of the Spirit of God. I heard God's word and I responded. I responded because I was born again. Just as surely as a baby when he's born into this world, one of the first things he does is cry. He's got to breathe. But he can cry and breathe because he has life. If you're trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's because God has given you life in him. He's brought you out of death into life. He's brought you into light from darkness. And praise Him for that. You're an adopted child of God. Some of you know our adopted daughter, Grace. She grew up here uh, too. Uh, She knows she was an adopted child of ours. In fact, she asked us, would you adopt me? That was not our intention. At that point, but she said, I want to have your name. And we gave her our name. We adopted her into the family. When you're an adopted child of God, you have his name. You wear his name every day. You, you, you manifest him. My wife and Andy were walking down the street of McGee when Andy was about two years old. And somebody who had never met my wife and never met Andy, but had met me, was walking down the street and came up to my wife and said, Is that Norman Bagby's son? He looks just like him. And we need to look like Jesus. We need to manifest him daily. If we belong to him, that is what we will do.
And so that the members of the body of Christ will not depend on their own efforts to live God's way. Look at verse 7 of our text. It says, each one has been given grace. Gift of grace has been given to each one who truly is a part of the body of Christ. As you're brought into Christ, into union with Christ, you're given a gift or some gifts. And you're given those by the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He is in control and he gives these by his spirit. And they're not to be used just individually. You know, Andy can play the guitar, and it's nice just to play it by himself. He practices. But as he comes into the sanctuary and with Ben, and they play together, and, and you sing together, it works together in a more beautiful, functioning, and collective way. And so the gifts that Jesus, the risen Savior, has given to his body are to be used in a special way collectively, because we are one body, as we sang. We are one body. We are the body of Christ. We have many parts. We have many members. In, in Romans chapter 12, it says we have different gifts, but we have different functions, but we are one body. See what Paul is saying to the church here. Look at verse 8. Ephesians 4 and verse 8. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. The risen Lord Jesus has a ministry right now from his kingly position that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. From a position on high and he gives gifts to his people. If you wrestle with this a little bit, he said it, he led a host of captives. I believe that this simply means that he has captured us from the realm of darkness, captured us from Satan, and brought us to heaven in order that those that the Father has given to him, he might send to earth to function. He redeemed us 2,000 years ago, so I'm not talking about physically taking us to heaven until he uh, actually does. But he has taken us captive to heaven, and then he sends us to earth. We're born in the, on this earth, and then we're born again in order that we might function as the body of Christ. And I hope that you, 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 you take that as he's given He's led a host, you know, Jesus is the, the captain of a host of people. And then he sends to us these gifts, and he gives to each one of us gifts, and then he gives gifts to the church, and we'll look at that in, in a few minutes. But in order to do that, in order for him to send gifts to the church, Paul says he first had to descend himself. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, had to become man. He who was God became man so that he could fulfill the covenant of works which the first man, Adam, failed 
to fulfill. Failed to keep. He was obedient. Jesus was unto death, even death on the cross. And God raised him from the dead. And he ascended to heaven to take this host of captives uh, with him that he had purchased by his own blood. And then from his kingly throne to send forth gifts to his church so that the church might function the way he intends for it to function. Of course, the, the one thing that he has given to us is faith. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And so we thank him for that faith that he has given uh, to us, the faith that we have exercised in the perfect life that he lived. You need, you need a perfect life because God says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. You need a perfect life to cover you. You cannot stand before God in your own righteousness. I'm sure Darren has told you that many times. I know the pastors of this church have told you many times. You cannot stand before God in your own righteousness because it's filthy. All of our righteousness are like filthy rags before him. And so you believe in that perfect life that Jesus lived, and you believe in that sufficient death that satisfied God's justice. You can't satisfy God's justice unless you spend eternity in hell. Someone must satisfy it for you. You believe in that sufficiency of Christ's death. And you and I are ushered into the kingdom of God and thus, <clears throat> excuse me, thus make up the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And to this body, Christ has given leaders. And this is by his grace. Who are these leaders? Look at verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the pastors, and the, the teachers. The apostles and the prophets form in the foundation of which Christ is the cornerstone. And you go back to chapter 2 and verse 20, and you see uh, that. Evangelists have been uh, raised up like uh, Philip, who was especially gifted to proclaim the gospel, and who God uh, has used uh, through the ages to draw many sinners under the cross, evangelist he has used. Timothy was such an evangelist. Paul exhorted him, do the work of an evangelist. And we can think of George Whitfield, John Wesley, Billy Sunday, Billy Graham, men that God has used through the faithful ministry of his word to draw many people out of darkness into the light of the gospel. <clears throat> And this ascended Lord, this one who from on high has given to the church also pastors and teachers. You have had several pastors in the life of this church. Some of you might can remember Reverend Augsburger. I know you can remember Dr. Dews, Buck Moselle, Jim Richter. David Skinner, Darren Stone. God has used each one to pastor this flock. Pastors who, as the under-shepherds of the one true shepherd, lead this flock, have so led this flock. And many teachers have stood before you and led you into God's Word. 
And you have been blessed with faithful teachers. All of these with you make up the body of Christ. And secondly, how do these leaders affect the body? How do they affect the church? What do they accomplish? What do they produce in the church? Look at the four things here in verses 12 and 13 that these leaders accomplish. Verse 12, they equip the saints. They give working tools to those who are called to live out God's grace before the world. In other words, effective leaders help the members of the body to discover what gift or gifts the risen Lord Jesus has given to them so that they might work these gifts together as the body of Christ and do the work of ministry. Such gifts may be prophecy. If you understand what prophecy means, it just means to tell forth the word of God, to rightly serve the body in in speaking forth the word of God clearly, just to prophesy God's word. Tell people what God says, as I today am telling you what God says as a prophet in that sense. Our ministry, the ability to serve the body in whatever way the the church has need. Our teaching, the ability to rightly divide the word of truth and to communicate it. And a word to the elders here. I know you've only got two active elders, but others who might have been elders or elders in other places. The scripture says you ought to be apt to teach. You ought to be sharpened to teach. If you're an elder, that ought to be a part of your calling. And the book church order says you ought to be ready to preach too. So after these six weeks are gone by that uh, we're coming down to help you, David and John, y'all get ready to preach. Andy's not an elder. Y'all are. Y'all be ready to preach if you're called upon to to do so. I used to have a a sermon in my file that if I got sick, one of the elders could take it and read it and, and preach it. You know, but I, I let them know this is what you, you need to be doing. Anyway, be ready. The exhortation, the ability to speak boldly uh, a needed word in a particular situation. May you have such boldness among the people here. Or giving the ability to give beyond one's means for the work of the church. Our leading, not everybody's called to lead, but you have leaders among you. Others are faithful followers of those leaders. Pray for each one who is a leader among you. Our mercy, the ability to love a sinner, even if that sinner is unlovely, which may be the person sitting in the pew next to you. 
You may think you're more beautiful than that person, but you're really not. The ability to look upon each person and be merciful. These are special gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12 has these and, and even more. And each are given as, as, uh, and discovered by the saints. So you need to be praying, you know, what are my gifts? Or what is my gift as that, that God would have me to use this in, in the body? And each believer, each believer who is given a gift, and each believer is given a gift, as you discover that gift, how are you to use it in the body? You see what it says to equip the saints, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to enable you to find out how God intends to use you as a part of the body of Christ for the work of ministry. And also in verse 12, it says these leaders build up the body. The body is to be strengthened. The body is to function together like a, a master builder brings together many parts and, and makes a beautiful building. So are faithful leaders to the body of Christ to build up the body, to bring the parts together that the parts of the body might function together. I like to liken the church like an orchestra where you get all these different instruments together. Many parts, but then you bring them together, and you've, you've, some of you have heard wonderful orchestra. I've heard the Philadelphia Philharmonic Orchestra. I've heard Van Cliburn playing before them, and, and yet it was so beautiful not just to hear him, but to hear the whole orchestra functioning together. And as you, the body of Christ, use the gifts that God has given to you, you'll make beautiful music. You'll function together. Verse 13 says these leaders bring the body into the unity of the faith. And this occurs uh, through the faithful teaching of God's word from the pulpit, from Sunday school classes, wherever that word of God is taught. As Andy teaches you young people, he is equipping you, he is helping you, he is strengthening you. It's amazing to see how our church in Hattiesburg embraces the, the teachings of, of God's Word and, and demonstrates it in unity. And one tool that uh, our church uses, and the church and you use it as well, is the Westminster Confession of Faith, along with the, the catechisms. And the more you teach that, the more that unifies your mind, the more that unifies your, your heart and you have a one voice. It's amazing what, what God is doing in Hattiesburg. Every person who joins, every person who leads, those who teach have taken vows to uphold these reformed teachings of Scripture. And we have such a unity in these things. I mean, in eschatology, we all believe the same thing. You go into any classroom and you hear God's Word. Being taught. Verse 13 says this produces maturity, growth in faith, not remaining babes in the faith. 
You know that there are some adults maybe sitting right here still babies in the faith. They've never grown up in the faith. They've never made progress. Get on a stick. Quit being a baby. Grow up. Read God's Word. Study it. And let that Word help you to grow. Grow to be mature believers. Not remaining content to be on a level. I had a pastor's wife tell me one time, I just, I'm on a plateau. I don't want to go any higher. I think she was saying, I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> but God, God tested her anyway, where she had to grow. The Bible says that our faith is exercised. You're, you're going through a time where your faith is going to be exercised. Let your faith be on Jesus, not your circumstances. And see what he will do. Grow up in the faith. Prove that your faith is real by helping people look to Jesus and not to yourself or not to their circumstances. And thirdly, how must the body respond? Verse 14 says there will be spiritual growth. The members will sharpen each other in sharing together because you're one body. Many parts. You don't say hand. I'm not going to pay any attention to you today. Or ear. I don't want to, I don't need you today. The physical body is a example of what the body of Christ ought to look like. Many parts. One body. And as the body elements function together, you will grow. You will sharpen each other. We have what's called K groups in our church. I've encouraged Andy to try to see if he can develop those here. K is uh, a letter for koinonia, which simply means fellowship. Fellowship groups. For two and a half years while we were without a pastor, we had these fellowship groups meeting, and they're still meeting. They love to meet. Anywhere from 10 to 40 people in a K group. Originally, it was designed to uh, do like fruit basket turnover. You know, you, you go in the group for one year, and then after a year, you, you get in another group. And after a year, we found out those people were so bonded together, they didn't want to leave their K group. They wanted to continue to meet. They meet for prayer. They meet to eat. They just share together. And it's amazing how people will open up in a K group that they will not open up elsewhere. Develop some K groups and see how God will develop the spiritual growth of this church. Verse 15 says, there will be an amazing ability to speak the truth in love. Because people don't exalt themselves, they exalt the truth. They have the attitude of Jesus. We're not here to be served, we're here to serve. We not exalt the law that says, oh, if you'll just live this way or you'll live that way or not live this way or not live that way. You don't hammer people with the law. You bring them unto Jesus. You reach out to the hurting, to the spiritually blind, those who are held captive to sin, loving the sinner, embracing him, 
as Christ embraced you, as Christ embraced the lepers and healed them. We cannot be instruments of healing of the spiritually sick if we exalt ourselves above them, if we do not reach out to them with the love of Christ. Be quick to forgive. Be ready to demonstrate the grace of Christ that He has given to you. Be swift to hear, slow to speak. Other people have something they need to share with you. Let me say this as an aside. If you recognize your spiritual gift, and you recognize you have a duty to the body to share that gift, that's good. But if you withhold that gift from the body, it's sin. If you withhold your gift from the body, it's sin. It's not given to you to use just for yourself. Work on that. Be ready to tell sinners how you know you've been saved to give a reason for the hope that's within you and watch God work. Verse 16 says that each will contribute his or her gift to the whole body. Ready to share what Christ has bestowed upon you. And each part must do that for the benefit of the whole. That's what Christ bought you for. That's what Christ brought you together for. When you watch a football game and you see a football player showboating and showing off when he's done something, you say, why does he do that? It's as the team functions together, not as one tries to exalt himself that the team is successful. need to work together. And fourthly and lastly, what will be the result? Well, when each part is working properly, the body will grow and build itself up in love. The whole will work smoothly. No part will be exalted above another. No pride, no contempt, no condemnation, not in attitude or in action. It's a shared grace. That's what your pastors and teachers over the years have been preparing you for, even now. That you might exercise the gifts that God has given to you. That you might function properly. So that other people will look at this body and say, wow, that body continues to function even without a pastor. We grew in Hattiesburg. We grew in number, we grew in spirit, and we continued a building program without a pastor. So when grace is lived out well, it will result in spiritual growth that will cause physical growth. And it's just amazing to me what God has done at First Church in Hattiesburg. Faithful people. Saints of God, living out God's grace, encouraging each other. And I tell you today, we just built two new buildings and we're already busting at the seams. 
because God is bringing young couples who are having babies. And our nursery is already too small. And they're saying, we need more room. It's amazing. And God will accomplish that here. As you bring all the gifts of grace that God has given to you, and you work them properly, you let them function together, the women doing their thing, the men doing their thing, pray that God will help you to understand what gifts He has given to you so that you might see what God will accomplish, what our exalted Lord Jesus will accomplish through you as He gives these gifts to you so that you might do the work of ministry. May God bless you as you yield yourself up to Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You. I pray that You would just apply this Word to the hearts of Your people, that they would take heart and be encouraged that as they live out this grace that You've given to them, the body will continue to function and grow spiritually and physically. And we praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.